The passage for today is from the book of 2 Corinthians, and we're the Lord 17 to 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Lord, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Include our study of Joseph, and it fits good into Christmas because the coming of Christ was not only prophesied in the Old Testament, there was also a very vivid and compelling preview, and today we're going to see the trailer. Father, we thank you so much for the season that we can celebrate, and knowing that this is the culmination of all the things that transpired before in the Old Testament, and Joseph was a very important part of that. And we thank you that we can take a look at that this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the beginning, God started something good. Chapter 1 of Genesis said, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. But then something bad happened. Adam and Eve disobeyed, and it got worse. Their oldest son killed his younger brother. And then it got much worse. So that by the time of Noah, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 says, wickedness on earth had become so great that every inclination of the thoughts of the heart were only evil all the time. And so judgment came, the flood. But God didn't give up. He again started something good. He picked Abraham and told him, I will bless you and your descendants, and through them bring blessing to the whole world. But then something bad happened, and sins multiplied, until the descendants of Abraham were considered a curse rather than a blessing. It was no coincidence that the top ten most wanted list in Canaan were the usual suspects, all the sons of Jacob. But there was hope. The eleventh son, Joseph, was not like that. He had a spiritual sensitivity that made him aware of God's purpose for his life. So Joseph had potential, but there were also problems. As his father's favorite, he was kind of a spoiled brat, and he was surrounded by haters, which made that naive young man an endangered species on the verge of extinction. But God was up to something good. In fact, the creator of the heavens and earth was working on a masterpiece. He took that spoiled brat from a dysfunctional family, exposed him to the elements, allowed him to get roughed up, and created a remarkable likeness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Previously, we compared this process to the darkroom techniques in photography, where the film was submerged in various chemicals that eventually made the image appear. But that could only happen if the room was totally dark, no light could get in, not even through a crack in the door. The only light source was a 10-watt bulb that would be painted either red or brown. And many of the renowned legendary photographers like Ansel Adams did their best work in the dark room. And that's 
also what Joseph experienced, especially in Pharaoh's dungeon. He spent two years in prison for a crime he didn't commit until the image was ready to be displayed in the public gallery of divine revelation. Last week we saw how Joseph told his brothers in Genesis 45, verse 5, And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. The brothers sold him into slavery, but God sent him to Egypt. Now just imagine what would have happened because Joseph could have spoiled the whole thing. What if Joseph had gotten bitter and cynical because of the injustice that he endured? He could have manufactured enough self-pity to become a country and western singer. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. If Joseph felt he was a victim, he would never have distinguished himself in Potiphar's household. So there would have been no further opportunities for him. What if Joseph had given into temptation and had an affair with the boss's wife? Well, that would have been a dead end. He would have been executed. So if Joseph would have followed his basic instincts and succumbed to fatal attractions, the whole plan would have been ruined. So when the drought came, no one would have been prepared. And so even if Jacob would have sent his sons to Egypt, there would have been armed patrols on the border. And homeland security would never have let a caravan of illegal immigrants to enter Egypt. And so discouraged, the brothers would be forced to turn back. And they probably would have perished, dropping one by one beside the road. Well, then after seven years, hope would return to those scorched lands. Those who remain would reclaim their fields and rebuild their communities. And so as the years speed by, great empires would rise and fall, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. But there's something missing. There's no nation called Israel because Jacob's family didn't survive the drought. And even Joseph would have perished in Egypt because in a famine, it's the prisoners and the slaves who are the first to have their meager rations reduced. They probably would have found his corpse curled up on the cracked soil. And so the sons of Jacob would have disappeared from the face of the earth. And that's why there would have been no Moses or David or Isaiah or Elijah. Simon Peter would have been nothing more than a frustrated fisherman and Saul of Tarsus would have been nothing more than a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And there would have been no Calvary and no empty tomb because no Messiah was ever born in the tribe of Judah in the house of David. Just imagine what could have happened. Joseph could have spoiled the whole thing. I don't think we have any idea how much hangs in the balance And how many lives are affected by the choices that we make? Do you have any idea how much can be lost when you give in to temptation? Can you imagine how much is gained when you don't? When you turn away and run and don't look back? Do you realize how much could be spoiled when bitterness gets rooted in your heart? On the other hand, can you appreciate the healing power of forgiveness? When you forgive someone who doesn't deserve it, you send shockwaves through hell. 
and that has a lasting impact in eternity because whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Joseph said, And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And so through all the dangers and disappointments, through all the delays and heartbreaking discouragements, Joseph was aware that God was up to something. And he kept trusting and waiting and obeying. And in every trial, the Bible says God was with Joseph and he was working out his purpose. He was forming him into a man who would change the world. But even more importantly, God was transforming Joseph into the very image of Jesus Christ. Not through an automatic upgrade, but through a series of unfortunate events. Just think of the parallels. Like Joseph, Jesus also enjoyed the love of his father. At his baptism in Matthew 3.17, it says, A voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Like Joseph, Jesus was also rejected by his brothers. Like Joseph, they refused to acknowledge his supremacy. The parable in Luke 19.14 summarizes the attitude of his generation. It says, But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. Like Joseph, Jesus was a target of their envy. It says in Mark 5.10, it was out of envy that the chief priests handed Jesus over to Pilate. They had conspired against him. They had sold him for the price of a slave, just like Joseph. Like Jesus, Joseph also took the form of a servant in the house of Potiphar. But the Lord made him prosper. And many others were blessed for his name's sake. Like Joseph, Jesus was also tempted. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Like, Je- like Joseph, Jesus also encountered two prisoners. And to one he spoke the words of life, and the other went to his eternal doom. Like Jesus at his last supper, when Joseph appealed to the cupbearer, he said, but when all goes well with you, remember me. Those were the words Jesus spoke at the table. Like Jesus, people recognized that God's spirit was on Joseph. Genesis 41:38. so Pharaoh asked him, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Like Jesus, Joseph also had the wisdom to discern mysteries. And Joseph was also exalted to the right hand of authority, and the government was placed on his shoulders. Joseph also had people come and bow in submission before him. And this previews a time in the future when every knee will bow and every tongue confess before one far greater than Joseph. Can you see the pattern? Can you see the image that's emerging? When his brothers arrived in Egypt, they didn't recognize Joseph. 
That's exactly what happened to Jesus. It says in John chapter 1, verse 10, He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. Well, Joseph recognized them, and he knew what was in their hearts. And he brought them to conviction, and then revealed his true identity, and forgave them. Just like Jesus, who offers forgiveness for all who truly repent, and salvation for the whole world in the same manner. And Joseph opened the storehouses of abundance to provide food for people from far and wide. And because of his generosity, many lives were saved. And of course, Jesus also offers us abundant life. And we could go on. In fact, there's a scholar who has a list he claims of 130 similarities between Joseph and Jesus. You see, that's what God was up to. God was developing a portrait of his son using the pigments of Joseph's character. There's no one else in the Old Testament who comes that close. And maybe that's why right now you are in the dark room. Because we can't become like Jesus unless we go through some of the same things that he endured. You know, that's what baptism is all about. Romans 6, 5, 4 says, We were buried with him. through baptism, in order that just as Christ was raised, we too may live a new life, just like Jesus. Paul talks about sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. We are going through the same things that Jesus went through. We also are challenged to forgive one another as Christ forgave us, to love one another as Jesus loved us. You know, Joseph could not have become who he was without the injustice, without the disappointments that he experienced along the way. Likewise, you can't become like Christ unless you experience some of the same things that Jesus had to endure. So don't be afraid. God is up to something good. Which brings us to the verse that summarizes it all. See, the book of Genesis has a lot of bad people with bad intentions behaving badly. And they would have ruined everything except for two words. And those two words are found throughout the Bible. And wherever they appear, discouragement is transformed into hope. The sackcloth of sorrow is replaced with a garment of praise. The spirit of mourning is healed with the oil of gladness, and death is even swallowed up in victory. A lot of bad things happen in our lives. A lot of bad things happen in Genesis, and it would have been a hopeless situation if not for two words. And here they are, Genesis 50, 20. Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Did you notice the two words that make all the difference? You intended to harm me, but God. Those are the two words. But God intended it for good. 
You sold me to Egypt, but God sent me there. Those are the two words that make all the difference. I think this is the key verse in the book of Genesis. Probably the key verse in the Old Testament because it explains everything. You see, in his sovereignty, God can use everything that's happened to you in the past. Everything. And everything that's happening to you right now, as well as everything that will happen to you in the future to accomplish something good, to transform you into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. But that requires two other words. But you. But you have to trust him. But you have to confess your sins and receive forgiveness and then forsake those sins through repentance. But you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have to commit yourselves to live according to God's purpose. You know, the, the verse in the New Testament that best explains the whole thing is obviously Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good. The good of who? Well, the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Well, what is that purpose? The next verse says, for, God, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. That's what God is doing. He's making you more like Jesus. And he's using everything that happens to you to do that. Everything. Because more than anything else, he wants you to be like Jesus. And I must say, as I've fellowshiped here, I've seen Jesus in so many different lives. Every time we come here on Sunday, we see, yeah, that's, that's what Jesus would say. That's what Jesus would do. Over and over again. It's happening. Because you love God, and because you are committed to live according to his purpose. You know, Joseph could have been angry at God, he could have blamed God, but he never stopped loving God and trusting that he was using all of these unfortunate things to a greater purpose. So God let Joseph be hurt, but he didn't let him be harmed. And that's the difference. And the impact of his life changed the history of the world and the population density of heaven. So, are there people right now that are bothering you? Do you have enemies? Are you the target of people with bad intentions? You know, we live in a country where the most powerful people in our government have displayed bad intentions towards the church. The ideological, there's been an ideological climate change in our country. We're not getting a whole lot of love. Well, that reminds us of what Jesus said in John 15, 18. If they hate you, guess what? They hated me first. We're just like Jesus. God can use that. Maybe you're facing obstacles. Maybe you're overwhelmed. Well, God can use that. Maybe you've been hurt, deeply hurt. But in his hands, he'll see that no harm comes to you. You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish 
what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God's intention is to transform each of you into the likeness of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's what God is up to. Continue to respond to him. Father, we thank you so much that you are able to make all things work together for our good. Thank you that uh, no matter what bad intentions people have, you intend it to make it part of the process you're using in our lives for your good. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to uh, gather at the Lord's table somewhere hidden behind these candles. So would those who are serving come forward, please? And we'll switch to this mic. The Bible says that uh, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, even to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. This table is a place where all who are God's children are welcome. You don't need to be part of this church, but you need to know that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And you need to have accepted that and stake your life on it. Because he's gave his life for us. And it says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the, what, from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to ask Riney to offer up a prayer of thanksgiving for the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is symbolized by this bread. Dear Lord, I'd like to thank you for this opportunity that we can come and worship together. Thank you for this opportunity that we can share communion together. And Lord, as we reflect, uh, as we heard today, we thank you for Joseph. And more importantly, we thank you that God sent his son Jesus. And that he went to the cross for all of us. So that we may have hope of eternity. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you that he offered up his broken body. And I pray that we may never forget. In Jesus' name, amen.